This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is contacttalkradio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on tunein.com, hang.fm, and upsnap mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me or rejoining me this lovely Friday morning. I'm super excited and immensely grateful for the guests that I have on my show today. Uh, he is stellar. He's been extremely pivotal in my journey, which we'll get to in our interview here. My guest today is Chris Atwood. And as I always do before I turn it over to Unscripted Dialogue, I'm just going to talk a little bit about Chris just to provide some background here. So Chris Atwood is co-author of the New York Times bestseller, The Passion Test, The Effortless Path to Discovering Your Life Purpose. The Passion Test has become the number one tool used world wide to discover passion and connect with purpose with over 1500 passion test facilitators in more than 50 countries during the past 10 years chris has become one of the leading trainers and authors in the transformational industry he has put together some of the major strategic alliances in this industry including arranging 70 <clears> percent <throat> excuse me of the interviews for the movie phenomenon the secret Having managed more than 10 companies from startups to established industry leaders sold millions of dollars in consulting and training services to companies like Sprint, Dell Computer, Royal Bank of Canada, Milan Bank, Ford Motor Company, and others. Chris is a knowledgeable and accomplished business leader. At the same time, having spent more than 10 years in extended meditation and more than 40 years with a daily meditation practice, he brings a deep understanding of life to his workshops, trainings, and presentations. His latest New York Times bestselling book, Your Hidden Hidden Riches, provides a guide for busy modern achievers to harness the power of ritual to create a rhythm to their life by managing their time, their energy, and their thinking, and access their inner hidden riches. So, Chris, I want to welcome you to my show, and thank you very much for being here. I know how off-the-hook busy you are and how plugged in you are into so many other people's lives and doing wonderful things. So thank you for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me, Lisa. It's an honor and a privilege. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, I've always been grateful for all the guests that I've had on my show, but this is particularly a very important uh, show for me, uh, this chat that we're about to have of ending this particular guest today. Um, for anybody who's followed me uh, for the last 15 months, the passion test specifically has really transformed my journey. It's really altered my life uh, in a way that I can't even really truly begin to describe. And I owe so much gratitude to both you and Janet, uh, Janet also being the co-author of the book, The Passion Test. And so I've, I've ramped you up. I've 
plug this everywhere. I get immensely passionate talking about the passion test and uh, it's caught on. You know, a lot of people in my sector of the planet here uh, have really tuned in, have really been keen. And a lot of testimonials that I'm receiving now from people who I've discussed the passion test with have said, Lisa, you know, thank you so much for introducing me to this book. I can't believe what it's done for my own life journey. So on behalf of everybody who I know this book has touched and deeply affected, I want to say thank you, Chris. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. Passion is where we all start, isn't it? You know, Absolutely. once we figure once we figure out this here to enjoy, then we have to start with passion. We have to start there. Absolutely. And so what I'd like to ask you, Chris, is is if we could go back to the inception of your journey. I'm always interested to know, you know, whether I have household name guests on my show or not. I'm always really uh, inspired by the inception of people's journey. So where did this all begin for you, like the, the beginning of your career, when you began to harness and, and tap into what your own passions were? If you could maybe talk to me a little bit about that. Well, I'm going to start a little earlier, Lisa. Great. Because, um, you know, where my journey began is the same place every one of our journeys begins, which is when I was born. And, and you know, the thing I've realized, and this we talked about this in our latest book, Your Hidden Riches, is that when we're born, there's a unique design for our life. We don't know we have a unique design for our life, but there is one. And it's like we, we get popped into this world, and we're dropped into this massive puzzle. And as we, we grow up, you know, we're one-year-old, two-years-old, five-years-old, ten-years-old, twenty-years-old, thirty, forty, fifty. There are all these pieces that keep being given to us of this incredible puzzle. But unlike the jigsaw puzzles that we may have solved at various times, there's no box top to tell us, you know, what does the finished picture look like, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And so we have to figure it out for ourselves. And, and so just like everyone else, that's what happened to me, you know, that I went to, to college at UC Santa Barbara. And I was fortunate as, you know, and, and the longer you live, the more you realize if you're, when you begin to wake up to this reality that there is a unique design for your life, you begin to realize that everything in your life is this amazing gift. And going to UC Santa Barbara was that for me because I found myself plopped in the middle of student demonstrations, uh, massive thousands and thousands the student protesting what the university administration was doing, protesting against the Vietnam War, and uh, angry at the corporate institutions like the Bank of America that, that the students felt were funding that war. And, and it was a crazy time. You know, there were three riots in the first year I was in college. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, um, and one of them burned the Bank of America to the ground in this little town of Isla Vista right next to UC Santa Barbara. I mean, it was it shook me up big time. I, I was pretty much an observer. I was 17 years old. I didn't know what the heck was going on, you know. And I was kind of trying to make sense of it and figure it all out. And And I said, well, maybe there's something positive I can do. So I, the, out of the, the ashes of the, those fires came this amazing community development effort. And the community got together and without any authorization from anybody, decided that they were going to create the Isla Vista Community this governing body, this, this advisory body, really, because it had no authority whatsoever, but it would be representative of the people in this little community, primarily student community. And that 
And the university and the state immediately latched onto that and said, hey, here's a way that we can communicate with this group of people that's making so, so much problems for us, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so the university and the state got together and and uh, funded this little community council and gave the university planner to help with with resolving some of the issues that that the students were facing and and with that budget one of the things they did is hired me as a planning director now i knew nothing i knew nothing about planning okay (laughs) all i knew is we need to do something different than we had done it before but fortunately this university planner was really quite wise and experienced and was a great mentor for me and and I, i say i say lisa you know for everyone listening once you realize that there is a design for your life, once you realize that you're here for a purpose, one of the most valuable things you can do is look for mentors, look for people who have been there, who have, who have in some way, whether they figured out the whole puzzle or not, they seem to have a good handle on the puzzle of their own life. And they've been able to, to navigate a bit because those people will be able to sh- show you shortcuts to get where you need and want to go. And that was the case with this university planner is that he helped me to begin to see possibilities and things that could be done. And, and I, I and the other team members that we had, because we had probably 15 or 20 people working on this whole issue and trying to create new, new possibilities for this little community. Yeah. We, we, we got to, to work. But here's the honest truth, Lisa, is that I was totally freaked out. By this time, I was 20 years old, and I had this major <laughs> responsibility, 300000 Dollar budget, which in 1972 that was a lot of money. That was like a million dollars today, right? And Absolutely. and I I was just freaked out, and so I, my skin was flaking, and I you know my I had indigestion constantly, and and I was like running around with a chi- like a chicken with my head cut off because I didn't know what to do next, you know. And one of my friends had been practicing the transcendental meditation technique for some time. He said, "Chris, you should really check out this meditation because it, it's a great way of dealing with stress." And they've even done some scientific research on it. And so I went and I looked and I went, went to the introductory lectures and I decided, well, it can't do any harm. That was my attitude, Lisa. It can't do any harm. It doesn't seem like it does anything bad. So maybe I'll try it, right? And, right. and so I did. And within a week, my indigestion was gone and my, the flaking on my skin stopped and, and I started feeling clear. You know, I started having some sense of where we were going. And, and that was really borne out a year later when I had to prepare a grant proposal for the next year's fund. And we had, uh, pages and pages of things that have been accomplished that that I've been the primary organizer and leader for, including major things, rezoning the entire community. I had gone down and represented the community, the planning commission at the county level and the board of supervisors. And we had done a major initiative with all the students and had to run two elections. And I mean, big, big things. And, and, and we allowed this, we, as a result of those things, we'd gotten, we'd eliminated some, the possibility of overcrowding in the community. We we allowed the students to be able to ride the buses with just paying a, a quarterly fee with their student fees. So for them, it felt like it was free, and it, it was it, it was big. You know, I was amazed. I was amazed, and and I realized the only way that could have happened was because of this meditation practice. You know, and that was really. I would say, Lisa, for me, that was one of the first big puzzle pieces. Is that is recognizing 
recognizing and realizing that our senses are constantly drawing us out. You know, what we see, what we hear, what we smell. We think that we have to go outward to accomplish things. And this meditation practice taught me for the first time that really if we want to accomplish or be or do anything significant in life, we first have to go in. Absolutely. We have to come to that place of silence and peace that all of us have inside and then act from that place. And then when we do that, it's amazing, remarkable, incredible, the things that become possible. Well, I, I can attest to that completely as a result of both the passion test and the mastermind training that I received in California on two different occasions. And, um, you know, I've been in the personal development world for probably 20, 25 years as a result of being in social services. But the clarification, uh, the fine tuning, the really, really getting abundantly clear as to what I felt I was was meant to really was birthed out of uh, my partnership with you and Janet and your your work and um, and for people who know me they saw that in me they just saw something morph and something unleash and something be tapped into and um, and it's yeah. for that reason that I I you know I, I tell everybody about the passion test I, I endorse it everywhere because I want everybody to feel that wonderful and that aligned with who they truly are and and to discover what their life's purpose is and what their gifts are what their talents are what they're blessed with and share it with the rest of the world cuz i i truly believe that's what we're meant to do it to be here our purpose is to share our gifts and our blessings with everybody absolutely absolutely and so- well and the, and the the thing is is that for many of us we find that we get in our own way and and i was lucky lisa you know after that experience in college, and then I became, I ended up becoming a teacher of Transfield Meditation, went overseas, and, and then work, and did a whole variety of things for the next 20 years. But I really made decisions based upon the things that lit me up, the things that we call our passions today. And, and that was really kind of by accident, probably because my parents were wonderful and encouraged me to do that. But there came a point where that shifted. And that real, that point was really where I met Janet and we got married. And mm-hmm. something came in that I think most people face in their lives that I had never really grappled with. And that was my own beliefs, my own concepts. When Janet and I got married for the first time, I began to make decisions based on money instead of passion. And the reason for that is because I had this concept that I'm married now, so I have a responsibility, I have to take care of my wife, I have to pay the bills, I have to be responsible, right? Mm -hmm. Common beliefs that many people uh, hold. And so when I went in to interview for jobs, I thought i got to get a job, so I interviewed for jobs. And when I interviewed, what I was interested in is how much money would it pay, not would I love it. Not was I really good at it even, but would I, could I do it and would it pay a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I went through four jobs in five years with that attitude because what we teach today, as you know, Lisa, is that money-based decisions are simply not sustainable. That sooner, sooner or later, if you're making decisions based on money alone, sooner or later you're going to find that you, you can't continue doing that it it won't work or you become miserable or one thing or another happens but money-based decisions are not sustainable and so i went through that fairly quickly in five years but i i 
didn't realize that I had this belief or this concept. And, and it was during this time that Janet and I were introduced to the work of Byron Katie, which you know has yeah. become an integral part of the passion test. Because what we have discovered, what we know, what we have experienced is that the only thing that prevents anyone of us from being able to discover and live the deep design of our life is our beliefs, our concepts that we have to live some particular way that someone else has taught us or said that we need to be or or live or something, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's those concepts, those beliefs that put us in situations that end up making us unhappy and suffering. And and while Janet and I were married, we we dove into this whole concept of of belief and um and at the same time, you know, after going through, I was on, I was going for my fifth job in five years and Janet thought, well, she finally remembered this little test that she had created like 25 years before for herself that she hadn't really changed with it, shared with anyone. And she took me through the passion test for the first time. And, and for the first time, I actually started consciously, and that's really the word I would underline, consciously making choices based on my passions. So I think you're a beautiful example of what happens when you do that, because I know your story, and here you are hosting a radio show, and you've had <laughs> book, you have books that are uh, that are all over Canada and that um, that have inspired and excited so many children and, and parents all over, and and all because you consciously chose in favor of your passions. And and for me, when I started doing that, that's when my life began to shift again back to the way it had been when I had been unconsciously choosing in favor of my passions. Right. But, um, but the value of making it conscious is that I was no longer falling into the traps of the concepts and the beliefs that, um, that had kept me in this money thing, which Mm -hmm. money is important. We all know money is important, but it it can't be the first criteria for decision-making. At the very best, it can be the second, you know, okay, is this something I love? Great. I love it. How do I make it work financially then? Right. Very true. Very true. And the other, the other uh, factor that I'd like to focus on too, Chris is, and I know this will resonate with our listening audience just because I fall into, you know, 50% of the demographic here. But, um, you know, another level, another layer, uh, which I really respect you and Janet for and what I really, what really resonated with me, uh, as a result of being trained and mentored by both of you and the books itself themselves is, you know, here, here's two people who were previously married. Um, you know, had worked together, continue to remain the best of friends today. You know, Janet's now the godmother to your children, has a wonderful relationship with your current wife. And, you know, when we talk about living in a, in a energetic space and, and, uh, being as positive as we can and operating at our highest vibrational level, you know, for the 50% plus of us who, you know, sometimes still have the residuals of having to deal with ex-partners that that we shared them with and, and, you know, wanting to start fresh and, and trying to break free of things that we would deem to be unhealthy. I really have to say outside of what I derived that totally catapulted me on my journey with my books and my radio show and speaking and all of that is the, the example, the live example that you and Janet are and, you know, what you depict and how you, you, um, 
just how you embody what it is to truly go to a place of love and love people and celebrate each other. It's, it's really helped me, uh, you know, co-parenting with my children, with their father. And it's really made things more cohesive. It's made things more collaborative. And, uh, at one point I never would have thought that that would have been possible. And I just want to say thank you to that. That was another level of the passion test uh, that I got, the fact that you continue to be partners, best of friends outside of your relationship with your wife. And um, I just want to say how stellar I think you both are as human beings for that alone. Well, thank you so much for that. And, and you know, this is a big piece of the puzzle that every one of us has to deal with is our relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Is, uh, how do I interact with people? And 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 in particular, because we all feel this draw, or almost all of us feel this draw to having a, a romantic relationship, of having a deeply intimate relationship, that how we deal with that is a big part of the puzzle of life. Mm-hmm. And and for Janet and I, as you know, it all came down to what do we choose to believe is true. And and that's why the work of Byron Katie has been so important in that, in in are solving the puzzle of our own lives because, you know, the work, as you're aware, is a simple but powerful way to find out what's really true for you, to question your own thoughts. And as we began to question our thoughts and that we're getting a divorce, so does that, that means that we can't be friends anymore. Is that true? Can we really know that it's true, that we can't be friends, that we that we can't continue to love each other? even if we've realized that being married isn't the relationship that we should have. And we came to the conclusion that wasn't true. You know, Why couldn't we love each other? We felt this deep love for each other. Why couldn't we love each other but transform the way in which we related to each other? Beautiful. And, 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 then, we, and then we asked the next question that Katie asks is, uh, uh, how do I react when I have the thought that if, the, the, if we get a divorce, then we can't be friends. We can't love each other anymore. Well, I feel miserable because I, you know, I care about this person and it feels like there's a big piece of my life that's missing. And then who would we be without the thought that because we got a divorce, we can't be, we can't love each other anymore. And well, who we would be is we would be with each other with open hearts and doing whatever made sense to do and support each other on our own paths. That's what we would do. And that's what we've done, right? You completely body that. yeah, and and even now, you know, Janet and I are going through a major transition right now because uh, she's taken over as CEO of the Passion Test programs and and is guiding, directing the continued growth of the Passion Test and helping people to discover their passions, get clear on their purpose. And I'm stepping away from my responsibilities with the Passion Test programs to pursue a new passion and a new vision of creating this global lifelong learning club which is all around this idea of how do you solve the puzzle of your life. And and as we've been talking about, the place it starts, I believe, is with passion, mm-hmm. is getting clear on what is it you love, what is you that you care about. But there are other pieces that all of us need to solve, you know, and how do I support myself? How do I have a, a rich and wonderful relationship? How do I parent my kids well? How do I, how do, I do my business in a way that's effective and allows me to be successful? And, you know, there, there are a slew of issues and challenges and questions we all are faced with and they hit us at different times in our lives for all of us right it's not like everyone has to deal with relationships when they're 20 i mean uh, janet and i our relationship started when i was 40 right 
Mm-hmm. So they, they hit us at different times in our lives. And so I have this vision of creating this global lifelong learning club that is anchored with beautiful five-star Bayul resorts. That means retreats, essentially, but that are also gorgeous, amazing places for people to come and work on solving the puzzle of their own lives uh, with with training from the very best and top teachers and trainers in the world. And so Mm -hmm. we're in the process of gathering and have already gotten commitments from 10 or 15 of those people, but gathering some of the top trainers in the world who will be the patrons of the club and uh, and then to be able to offer this kind of training through live stream in people's homes, through live events, events where where the, our patrons are offering those things and at these amazing retreats and training centers and resorts they, there'll be a combination of a place that you can go to vacation up and bring your kids and your parents and your whole family mm-hmm. along with a place where you can learn and grow and go deeper into the, solving the puzzle of your own life uh, along with uh, a, a place that that is uh, uh, an opportunity to to dive within to to experience deeper levels of your own spiritual life. So it, it will have all these dimensions, and we're working on the first one to be in Italy, and wow. but ultimately to have to have these resorts, these Bayul resorts, we'll call them, uh, in places all over the world. And Bayul is a Tibetan Buddhist term that. <laughs> was coined and referred to in the 8th century and uh, refers to places where the righteous go when the chaos of the world becomes too much. Beautiful. Well, that's fantastic. And and when did you realize that this was a passion of yours, that this was something you wanted to embark and and endeavor upon? Well, a couple of years ago. Okay. And, And I really dove into it and and used all the tools that we've learned and that you've learned, Lisa, now that we teach. Uh, I I created a picture of it. I hired an architect to help me design it even before I had had a, a location for it. I wanted to be able to picture it in my mind, what would be the elements of it, and began talking to people about it. And But then I realized in order for me to pursue this passion, this vision, that I had to transition in a smooth way from what I'd been doing in the past. Uh, we all have that. And so we had our new book, Your Hidden Riches, which came out in the fall of 2014. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the last year, we, Janet and I have been, you know, figuring out how to make that transition. And then now it's actually happening. And so that uh, as she, and she, you know, the thing which is so great is that when you follow your passions, what you discover is that the things that you are choosing for yourself also end up being the best for everyone else. What I've seen is that as Janet over the last couple of months has taken on the full mantle of responsibility for making decisions for the Pastures programs, she's actually making better decisions than the two of us were to get, uh, wow. uh, trying to do it together. Because now, you know, she, she ha- has the clarity before we were kind of deferring to each other, you know? Mm-hmm. But now there's no one to defer to, so she makes the decision, and she has she's brilliant, you know. So she has great clarity. So what we're seeing is that she's making choices and decisions that are making the passion test program stronger, and I, on my side, am now beginning to work on putting together a team, and we're going to launch our first crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo on April 18th. So, mm-hmm. uh, so both of us win from the situation, you know, which is really I think 
the nature of of passion when you when you get clear and when you understand the the principles of living a passionate life then you you understand I, I could have two years ago just walked away from it and said Janet it's all yours I've got this new passion goodbye see you later mm-hmm. but I think I've learned enough over the time to- over this time that that even though it was hard for me to be honest with you, Lisa, it was hard for me to keep working at what I'd been doing for the last 15 years while I had this new vision, this new thing that was pulling me. Right. Right. Um, but, but I have lived long enough and learned enough to know that if I walked away and left Janet in a position that, that where she could, that she couldn't recover from or that, that she felt really bad about, Mm-hmm. that ultimately that would be bad for both of us, you know? Absolutely. Well, um, and that's also who you are. I mean, from what I know of you and, and what I, you know, admire and respect about you, that's really not the fiber of your makeup. That's not your DNA to do that to anybody, particularly somebody who's as significant to you as Janet. So, well, yeah. and, But I think it's, you know, I think it's about how do you choose to live in life in integrity? And, Absolutely. And, uh, one of the things that we teach is that the way that you build trust is by keeping commitments when you make them. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes those commitments are unspoken, which makes it a little more challenging, to be honest, But which was kind of the nature of uh, Janet and I didn't have an agreement that we're going to continue working together until this date, you know. That wasn't when we started out, it was open-ended. But there was a kind of, there was an understanding that we were committed to each other and both of us would look after each other and mm-hmm. make sure that thing, that, that things went smoothly. So when we make a commitment, one of the things that I learned, learned from T. Becker that I so appreciate, the founder of Peak Potentials, is that mm-hmm. you keep, a, the way you build trust is you keep your commitments, even if they're painful, even if they cost you money. Now, it doesn't mean you may not renegotiate commitments. Sometimes, you find, oh, you can't keep a commitment, and so you go back to the person or the organization and say, you know, this has come up. Is it possible for us to restructure our agreement? And mm-hmm. if they say, you know, in general, people are understanding, and they'll say, okay, well, you know, we can do it this way. We can do it. We can rearrange it a bit. But if that's not true, then, you know, what, what Harv taught me and which I have done my best to live by is that, even if it costs you money, even if it's painful, even if it causes you for a while not to follow your passions, <laughs> even if there are costs to you of it, then you keep your commitment to the very best of your ability. And when you do, and to me, that's what's called living in integrity. And as you know, Lisa, in the passion test, we outlined seven principles of living a passionate life. And one of them was this one of living in integrity. Absolutely. Well, congratulations to you both. I couldn't be happier for both of you on your your chosen paths and uh, and how everything is just taking off for both of you. You both deserve that. Um, what I'd like to know, Chris, as I'm sure my listeners would as well, is what are your rituals? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, as you may have already guessed, first and foremost is meditation. You know, yes. They, um, we have some Janet and I have some dear friends in India, and one of them. Was uh, raised in the U.S. When got a Ph.D. at Stanford, was you know I, I summa cum laude or something, and and uh, and then she went to India and she 
made the decision to devote herself to a spiritual life and now lives in an ashram in India and has that whole pathway for herself. But I remember Janet was interviewing once and uh, she was talking about meditation. She said, you know, I just make a habit of when I get up in the morning, uh, the first thing that I do is to meditate because I figure, let me give this day to God. And, you know, not all of us are spiritual, perhaps, but I have to say that deeply resonated with me is can I get up and and choose consciously to go within, to dive within and to surrender my life to doing what is best, not only for myself, but for everyone else at the same time. And, and in the Vedic tradition of India, the Sanskrit term is dharma. Dharma means doing what's best for others and what's best for yourself at the same time. It's also called mm-hmm. right action. And so for me, my first ritual is my meditation practice and yoga yoga practice. And, and it, it is both a selfish thing of let me get clear, let me get grounded, let me be, begin my late, my, my uh, day with clarity. But it's also this aspect of let me surrender, let me remind myself, let me use this practice to remind myself that while I am here for me, because all of us have to be here for ourselves if we're going to serve to anyone else. Absolutely. I'm also here for everyone else. And let me, let me be grounded in that space where I'm serving others and myself all the time, where I'm doing what's best for others and what's best for me all the time. You know, you know it, Lisa, because we teach it in the passion test is I love you and I love me. Can I have balance in my life between those two? And can I use my life for the benefit of the world in some significant way? while serving the needs that I and my family have at the same time. That, that to me, this is the challenge of life for every one of us. Mm-hmm. This is our opportunity. This, and, and as we discover the design of our own lives, we discover that that's where it's leading us. Every one of our lives, every one of us, as you know, Lisa, is born with a unique purpose for being alive, a purpose that no one but you can can fulfill. And as long as you're doing things that keep you separated from that, you're going to feel miserable. You're going to be unhappy. As long as you do what other people have told you you're supposed to do, even when it doesn't feel right to you, Mm -hmm. you're going to suffer. You're going to be miserable. Because life is set up, it is structured to guide you onto the path of your unique purpose, your unique life's design. And when you get onto that path, then you discover that life's amazing, that things begin to show up that you couldn't have predicted, that that there's fulfillment in places that you never thought there could be, that even difficult or challenging situations are not some insurmountable barrier, but simply an opportunity to to express even more joy because you, you're able to find ways to go under or around or over those barriers in one way or another. And so, you know, recognizing that you have a unique purpose to fulfill in this life, I think, is one of the most critical pieces of solving life's puzzle. And and once you've recognized that, then it's a matter of how do I stay on that path? And that's where passion comes in. Your passions are not accidents. It's not an accident that you love the things you love. It's not an accident that you care about the things you care about. Every single one of us is born, as you said, Lisa, with unique gifts, unique talents. And we're also born 
with things that we're drawn to, things that for whatever reason light us up. And the, the congruence of these two things, the things that we're naturally good at, your talents, your gifts, and the things that you love, the things that, that turn you on, when you bring those together and then find a way to serve a need that others have, that's how you create a fulfilling life. That's how you create a life that creates income for you, but also creates benefit, service to others at the same time. And, and while each of us has a unique purpose for being alive, as you know, Lisa, we all share one common purpose, and that common purpose is to be of service. The reason each one of us exists whether we know it or not, is to be able to serve the other people in our lives. And our, our challenge, our opportunity, the, 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 the puzzle for us to solve is how can we do that most effectively? Wholeheartedly agree. And I've had goosebumps listening to this section of our conversation. I, I just, I love it, Chris. You're speaking to me, um, you know, on every which level and, um, you know, and this is my favorite part about the passion test is coming back to what I believe is the core belief of serving others and paying it forward. I mean, that's been my mantra my entire life. And, uh, you know, for any who expresses any level of, you know, depression or having a bad day or something went south, I always say to people as I practice myself, you know, go do something for somebody else and and then let's talk. Let's see the change. Let's see the transformation. Um, you can't go and help somebody else, be of benefit to somebody else and still stay stuck in that energetic field of negativity. It's impossible. That's right. That's exactly right. And, Absolutely. you know, we all have these times where sometimes we feel up and sometimes we don't. And the in the passion test, we talked about it as nature's guidance system. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always used to think that if I was having a bad day or if things weren't going well or I wasn't happy, then that meant that I had to fix myself. There was something wrong with me. I had to go do something to, to make myself feel better uh, the, the, or or I felt I had to change the way I was living. This this was my mantra. I had to change how I was living because somehow I wasn't living properly and, and that's why I was unhappy. So I had to... I had to eat better or I had to get more exercise or I had to even just to play on what you were saying, Lisa, I have to go help more people or I have to or I have to meditate more or I have to be more regular in my meditation or I have to do more yoga asanas or I have to do more breathing exercises or I have to I have to get more rest or whatever. You know, there's mm-hmm. always something to do, right? Something mm-hmm. To fix myself. And, and to be honest, it got exhausting. I, for anyone who's listening, I'm sure you can relate that if you always think that you have to fix yourself, it gets exhausting. Because, <laughs> right? And, and I finally got to a place of thinking, man, I don't, I, I, well, it really, uh, it came a little later actually. I realized first, that this thing of needing to fix myself was actually a false belief. It was a false concept. Um, and that, that the, when I wasn't feeling up, when I was feeling unhappy or I was feeling uh, upset in some way or other, that that didn't mean that there was something wrong with me. That meant there's something that I needed more clarity about, that there was something that that... If I kept going the way I was going, that 
something was going to blow up in my face. And so I came to realize what we've taught in the Passion Test book, which is that we all go through these periods of expansion and contraction. And contraction doesn't feel good generally. Contraction means all the things that we give uh, negative associations with. So uh, here, help me out, Lisa. G- give our listeners some words to describe contraction. What are the, how do you feel when you feel contracted, when you feel shut down? Uh, toxic, withdrawn, negative, uh, silent, invisible, dismissed, um, counterintuitive, counterproductive, all of that. All of those things. And and they can include things like be angry and irritable and frustrated Absolutely. and anxious and worried and and they can even feel things like feeling exhausted, you know, all of those yeah. things are, are contraction. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, we all have the experience of feeling expanded. And so give us some words how you feel when you feel expanded, Lisa. Uh enlightened, elated, uh light, bright, um carefree, in tune, aligned. Yeah. Um, all of and that. I'll, and I'll bet somewhere in there is in love, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> the thing is, is when we feel expanded, we want to connect with other people. We want to go out. We want to accomplish things. We want to do things. And this was a big aha for me, Lisa, was realizing that this, these experiences of expansion and contraction were not as I had been taught and as I believed them to be experiences of expansion is good and contraction is bad and because the contraction is bad then i need to fix it i need to change it i came to realize and janet and i both together came to realize that contraction just means that it's not a time to take action it's not a time to interact with others it's not a time to try and accomplish things because guess what you don't feel like doing it when you're contracted right the, the truth is that nature or life is asking you to go in, asking you to reflect, asking you to, to come back to yourself. And that's a time to, to be gentle with yourself, to be kind to yourself, to be compassionate with yourself. This is at least you have, I forget, one or two little ones. I have two, correct. Yeah, that's right. And, and so when, when, uh, when they're upset, when they were real tiny and they and they were really upset, did you yell at them then? No, I didn't yell at them. Not when they no, were no, younger. I know as they get older. But, but but look at look at them when they're innocent, when they're little and, and they they fell and they scraped their knee and they're crying. You're not going to tell them how stupid are you? What's wrong with you? Why did you go and fall down and skin your knee? You're not going to say that to a of child. Not. You're, you're going to say, "Oh, honey, come here. You know, mm-hmm. let me hold you. I know. Oh, it hurts so much. You know." Mm-hmm. The, and and when we're contracted, our inner child is right there, going through that same thing. You know. Oh, and unfortunately, you're emotional here because this is all about what I write about my books, as you know. I really believe yes. this. Yeah, right. so you just touched a chord with me there. Yeah. So, the, 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 so when we're feeling contracted, that's the time that we need to treat ourselves just as gently and lovingly as we would treat our little baby mm-hmm. who who fell and hurt himself or herself, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, what, what do most people do, Lisa, when they, when they d- think they did something really stupid? What, do they treat themselves kindly and gently or do they do something else? 
No, they they live in shame. They feel shamed. And yeah. so they either act out behaviorally or, you know, they get into this self-deprecating mode or start doing things that would be uncharacteristic of who they are in their best energetic space when they feel that people are proud of them. They then feel proud of themselves. They feel like, you know, they're yeah. in a good space. So, yeah. absolutely. So- most people tend to beat themselves up when they think they made a mistake, you know? And Absolutely. so the, the lesson from of this Nietzsche's guidance system is that this is just life telling you, take it easy, slow down, stop, you know? they And it's time to, you didn't do anything wrong, even if it appears that you did, even if other people think you did something wrong, mm-hmm. you did the best you could in that moment. So, the the, the uh, contraction is an opportunity to learn or to or to go get a deeper understanding or to discover what you need to know in order to take the next step forward. Now, on the other hand, when you feel expanded, what do you want to do? You want to go out. You want to get things done. You want to accomplish things. You're excited. You want to connect with people because that's what you're supposed to do then. You know, when we're driving down the road and the light is red, what do you do, Lisa? You stop. You stop, right? <laughs> and that's all that nature is saying is that when some, when you feel contracted, that's a red light. Stop, 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 stop. And you do that because you know that if you keep going, you're likely to end up, you could well end up getting rammed by another car coming from the side and get in a big accident. And that'd be a lot more painful than stopping for the red light, right? Mm-hmm. So just like that, when you begin to realize that contraction is just like that red light, it's there to help you and prevent you from getting into a big crash. Then you just stop. You come back. You get easy. Be gentle with yourself. Now, when the light turns green, now that's the time to go. You know, that's the time to put your foot on the gas and, and that's the time to make things happen because you naturally feel to do that. So this was a huge realization, as you know, Lisa, for me and I know for for thousands of people around the world, I've got, I get feedback all the time about how understanding nature's guidance system and this movement of contraction and expansion has completely changed the way in which they experience life. I, I know that this, this is fundamental to all of us. And if you're listening to this, this call, this, this show, then this is your opportunity to, to begin to change the way you respond to contraction. And one of, one of the things that I've been saying recently, Lisa, is that the, the extent to which you live a fulfilled life is directly proportional, is directly related, I should say, directly related to how you respond to contraction. You learn to respond to contraction in a way that is gentle and kind then your life will take on a completely different character. Mm. Well, let me ask you this then, Chris. So let's say you're approaching that traffic light, and it's neither red nor green, but it's yellow. And you're still in that state of contraction. And, you know, I, I really, I get everything you're saying. You know, normally that's an indication that it's time to go within. It's time to nurture yourself. It's time to get clear as to, you know, what perhaps is off balance um, what you need to take a step back from to regain the clarity. Now, do you think contraction can also be allayed or absolved by following intuitively 
especially for people like yourself and myself, you know, being in the personal development world, we're nurturers, we're caregivers, uh, we're empaths, you know, sometimes do not think that the message or the mirror within getting back into a state of clarity and remembering what our gifts and our blessings are is to go interface with somebody you know circumstantially has uh, things tougher uh, than yourself or they're in a, a darker space and knowing that you have voluntarily just shown up, just shown up, you know, offered them a hug, offered them your time, your presence, that then not is only a gift to them, but that takes you from the yellow back to the green. So in in the language that we use, these, uh, that's called using the tools. So right. let me just go through, you know, in the passion test, we describe the seven-step expansion process, part of Nietzsche's guidance systems. How do you return to expansion as quickly as possible? Because even when you realize contraction is not a bad thing, I think most right. of us would agree we'd rather be expanded than contracted if we had a choice, right? Mm-hmm. And so the first, the first and most important step of being able to step out of contraction is to notice that you're contracted. If you don't notice, if you're not conscious, then you, there's nothing you can do about it, right? Mm-hmm. And so it begins by noticing. And that just begins with having the intention that when I'm contracted, I want to be conscious about it. The, the second thing is to breathe. Well, oftentimes when we get contracted, we stop breathing. We get but we get tight. And so taking a few deep breaths and letting them out, it, it physically expands our, our chest, our body, our lungs, but it also helps create relaxation in the body. The, the third one is to ask to be open because when you're contracted, Lisa, and someone asks you to do something that you know is going to help you feel better, for example, you know, will you come and help me work at this homeless shelter? And you know that makes you feel better. But you feel so contracted, uh, if you if you weren't conscious about it, would you be more likely to say no or yes to someone asking that? Mm-hmm. You're going to say no because mm-hmm. you're shut down, right? You're contracted. So asking the, the third step is ask to be open to expand again. Consciously choose to say yes to things that you know will help you feel more expanded. The, the fourth and fifth steps are really critical. And, uh, and very important. And by the way, this, these whole, all these seven steps don't have to take longer than 30 seconds right. in my experience. You know, it's not like this big long process. <laughs> they, uh, um, the, the fourth step is to feel the feelings that are coming up. You know, is it anger? Is it grief? Is it, is it, um, resentment, bitterness, uh, whatever it may be, feel those feelings as fully and completely as you can. And step five, along with that, notice, are there any physical sensations in your body associated with that feeling? And oftentimes we feel tightness in our, in our gut or, in, or pain in our heart or, or uh, you know, our, in our shoulders or neck or our head. There, there's some sensations there. Let your awareness go to those sensations. Feel the feelings that are there. And, and then the, the, the sixth step is what you were talking about, Lisa, which is use the tools. A tool is anything that you know from experience will help you to feel more expanded again. Now, and the reason I, I wanted to share all of these, Lisa, is because one of the things that I discovered myself doing and what I think many spiritual or quote-unquote evolved people tend to do Mm-hmm. is because we know that everything is a gift, at least we know it intellectually, mm-hmm. 
we we sometimes short circuit the process which doesn't really serve us so let me just give you an example many people in the world when they feel contracted they do things so that they don't have to feel their pain they right. they drink you know they drink alcohol or they or take drugs or they eat too much or they work too much or they do something too much you know that just so that somehow let me numb the pain so i don't have to feel it and when you become conscious you realize well those things are not going to serve me so you may not do those things but what we do instead is we we t- we we try and trick ourselves into not feeling the pain and so this is what i would find myself doing is that i get upset about something and i really feel really hurt deeply hurt you know my pain in my heart instead of feeling it and going into that pain and allowing myself to cry or sob or whatever it was that i needed in that moment mm-hmm. i would start telling myself well you know this is a gift it'll be okay you know the, this really it's it's this thing is here to to pass not to stay they um uh, i'll i'll get through this i'll be all right do you know what i was doing when i was doing that lisa all those things are true by the way but do you know what i was doing you jumped automatically to the tools. That's right. I, I was skipping the feeling part, and yeah. which meant that I, I, I was. It was just as if I was taking drugs, just as if I was drinking alcohol. You know, they, I, I, by, I was pushing those feelings down beneath the surface. And when you push those feelings down, when you don't allow yourself to feel them, they're going to show up later as cancer or heart disease or some other chronic illness or or terminal illness, and. Because we simply, we can't hide ourselves from ourselves. You know, sooner or later, it's going to come out and usually in ways that we would prefer we didn't have to experience. And so it's, it's really important to allow yourself to feel the grief, to feel the anger, to feel the upset, whatever it may be, as fully as you can. Not to take it out on anyone. It means go away, go into a room, go somewhere, scream into a pillow, or cry your heart out in the, in the privacy of your own bedroom, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But once you've done that, then use the tools. And, and Lisa's suggestion is a great tool, which is go find someone who's in a lot worse situation than you are and see if you can help them. That's a great tool, you know. Well, Chris, I want to I can't believe that we've already uh, eaten up an hour here. I could talk to you forever as you know, and and I'm so grateful for your time, your insight, your inspiration. And uh, you know, every time I hear you talk, it's like hearing you talk for the first time. I get, you know, further clear and it just keeps me going in terms of my own path and invigorating with my own passions so i just want to say thank you very much and i look forward to talking to you again behind the scenes i know our paths will continue to cross i'm committed to that i'm setting my intentions on that and i want to thank you to the listeners for joining us today on my show carpe diem i go live every friday 11:04 a.m eastern standard time if you have any show topic ideas or you wish to appear as a guest on my show please feel free to contact me at Lisa McDonald, M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D, 13 at gmail.com. Chris, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you for everything you've done to enhance my own life. And uh, I feel nothing but love and gratitude for you. So thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. And I hope it's okay if I mention that, you know, this dream of this lifelong 
Learning Club Resorts is an impossible dream for me. And so anyone who's listening, if you'd like to follow the progress of my impossible dream and learn some of the things that may help you fulfill your own impossible dream, then I'd invite people to go to hiddenrichesresort.com. It's hiddenrichesresort.com. And I'll give you updates from time to time on how things are going, and you can see how an impossible dream unfolds. Thank you so much, Chris. Love to everybody. Enjoy your day. Be safe. Be you and follow your passions. Love to all. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.